Welcome to the High at Nine News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Welcome back, everyone. You are now tuned in to High at Nine News. Thanks for joining to not only get High at Nine with us, but also High at Noon on the East Coast. I'm Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street. It's Friday, January 20th, 2023. Today is National DJ Day. Sending love to all the vibe curators out there doing their damn thing on the wheels of steel. National Penguin Day, the bird version of the Weeble Wobble, and one of the few avian species that actually evolved to swim. National Cheese Lover's Day, one of the worst of the year for lactose intolerant folks like myself, or alternatively, anyone close enough to feel the pain. International Fetish Day, celebrating the freaky deaky side of all of us. And finally, Camcorder Day, a yearly reminder that before smartphones, there's probably some creep behind you with one of these. <laughs> Everyone out there watching, uh, uh. Make sure you guys share, like, and hit the subscribe button and follow us at Hide 9 News across all social media platforms. We're live weekday mornings on YouTube and Switch, audio only on Clubhouse. If you do choose the Clubhouse route, you can also participate in the show by raising your hand if you have a brief comment to share. We'll begin things starting in just a second here, but first, we got to pay a couple bills. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Coming up first. That's right. It is the dope dad himself. When he's not trolling along, you can find him quite often changing diapers, coloring with crayons, having tea parties. And that's right. Singing Elsa's favorite song. Let it go. Let it go. When he's not doing any of that, you can catch him constantly trying to uh what, what what's that word you know rehabilitate himself from all of his football days that's right trying to live in the best al bundy lifestyle the way he can in america that's I right that it sounds- is the dope dad himself rico meat how many touchdowns did al bundy have in one uh in one, in one game it was like, like nine touchdowns one, like that? one one all i need is one four it was it was all he had all the touchdowns and, and, and Peggy Bundy was fine as fuck. Fuck the haters. Anyways, thank you, Jason. Yeah, she was. Uh, my headline today is from the Washington Post by Ovetta Wiggins. On the first full day, m- more releases funds for abortion access le- and legal cannabis. Now, a day after making history Wednesday by being the sworn in as the first black governor of Maryland, Wes Moore got to work. Thursday, Moore signed his first executive orders, including plans to unlock $69 million worth of state spending, funds previously held hostage by eight-year Republican predecessor Larry Hogan. $3.5 million is going to expansion of abortion care access, $9 million to address climate change, $10 million to support a paid family leave program, and the vast majority of it, a whopping $46.5 million 
is earmarked for investment into Maryland's brand new recreational cannabis industry. And not for the big boys who already got that cash either. In his first official address uh, address yesterday, Moore said the cash will be used to grow small minority and women owned businesses in the space, expungements and public health initiatives. And he ended the statement with a couple of bars for the haters. We cannot talk about the benefits of legalization if we're also not willing to wrestle with the consequences of criminalization. Let's give it up for Westmore, man. I got to give it up for the brother. And how you love that, Glenn Youngkin. I wasn't gonna, even going to make this whole thing about race, but damn. The only two politicians now that have put actual funding into giving BIPOC and women in cannabis a fighting chance now are Denver Mayor Michael Hancock with his $15.2 million equity fund, and now Wes Moore with 40, uh, 46.5. I don't know. Maybe the industry activists and advocates claiming to want social equity to actually work uh, should start looking at running more black candidates who actually understand the societal burdens communities of color and women are up against trying to operate in this shit. As a black man first and a self-described activist second in the space, uh, I may be speaking from a biased point of view, but taking a step back from the emotion and looking at the data, I see a whole lot of white men in charge of municipal, state, and federal levels that talk a good game, but equitable solutions to, uh, to bridge the economic gaps in cannabis. But when it comes down to putting money where their mouths are, it's always an excuse as to why they had to run the MSOs and law enforcement their checks first, leaving pennies and scraps for the disadvantaged. Big ups to Maryland for putting a real one in office with Governor Westmore, and I hope the rest of y'all are taking notes. We'll reserve complete judgment for down the uh, down the road when the dust settles on the proposed programming that Westmore came out with. Uh, but out the gate is what leadership looks like. I'm Rico Lamit, Doba's dad on the street. I want to hear what the rest of the team has to say about this one. I smell a New Jersey, Maryland Twitter war coming up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, um, we do uh, we do have uh, Locia joining us in the clubhouse audience, and she is from Maryland and is part of Maryland Normal. What do you have to say yeah, about please. this, Locia? Hey, everybody. Good morning. Um, yeah. Good morning. More being that first uh, black governor out here in the state of Maryland, we are actually very blessed and fortunate to have him here. However, you know, as we all know, nothing is perfect. Um, this legislation needs plenty and plenty of work, and we are um, hard at it as the opening of the General Assembly happened this week. And we want people to make sure that they are still following um, the politics behind this and making sure that they are out there. Um, uh, advocating for the changes in what really is about possession right now is, is another way that they're trying to um, still uh, over police uh, this medicine. Um, but chat that we are really proud and happy to have um, Westmore as our governor. And we definitely look forward to seeing those equitable changes happen. Thank you for the stage. Thank you for joining us. Uh, quick question for you uh, before we kick you out. Uh, is there anywhere that it says what the 46 million is going to? Does Normal have an idea what he's actually using the money for? Yes. I didn't um, yeah, a, a lot of that is going to go um, towards the uh, community reinvestments, um, but they have not clearly defined what exactly that is um, being defined. And there also has not, the language for the licensing has not been produced either. So once I think that will kind of go hand in hand and showing where those funding will be served out to the devil's in the details right i mean how much of this money is just going to get squandered off that's what i want to know i'm cautiously optimistic you're cautiously optimistic what do you think lucia uh, you know it's 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 a hard uh say because it's uh, the corruption has already been shown within the maryland um political uh arena and especially when it comes to cannabis mm -hmm. it's already been that you know funds have been mishandled and people that um are being put in positions to earn the most in the space aren't there because they deserve to be there because somebody put them there um so it's it's going to be really interesting to see how much um they uh force and and kind of uh, patrol how people are moving in the space especially when it comes to politicians and business 
Uh, Lucy, Lucy, one quick question. Um, does it help uh, from a, um, um, I guess, a, a spectator's standpoint that uh, Westmore is not actually from the political system? They have somebody in charge uh, that, is, uh, that is not part of that corruption, that is not coming from that, uh, that side of the game? Uh, of course, it, it, it always helps um, to having a fresh new perspective on it, especially something that's not been tainted. Um, you know, however, how long will, will that hold up? Um, will we honor um, those things? We, we only hope and only time will tell really to see what's happening. But we are looking from what he said he's going to do to what he's actually doing. And we're on track. And so we look forward to just staying on that positive track with him and making these changes out here in Maryland. Thank you. And please tap in with us and let us know. Let us yes. know. Ground level. You, let us know. Gretchen, you had another question? Bye. No, I don't have another question for Lucia, but I, I would say that I am uh, optimistic for the state of Maryland. Uh, to this point, as they've been building their marijuana programs, they have not had uh, many governors who are very on board. Um, and so we all know how much better it is setting up a market uh, when you have a supportive governor. Uh, so I think, and especially Maryland, Maryland only has a six week legislative session. So things have to get done very quickly here. Um, so I would say uh, having a strong governor supporting the industry behind it, um, I would hope to see good things with him. He also, he also said all the expungements will be handled um, immediately on July 1st. Hope he has a good team of lawyers to handle that because that's right. going to be a big overtaking right there. That is a very uh, lofty goal. If yeah, what law firm is getting that contract? All right, Omar. Omar, you got that contract? That's right now. I saw you bobbing your head when I said that, Omar. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a, a lot of fees built. Yeah, lots of hourly rates, huh? All paid by taxpayers. <laughs> you know what? Mm-hmm. It's got to be somebody connected who makes lots of uh, political party donations. Yes, indeed. He had he had lots of uh, celebrities at his uh, inauguration. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> we'll see how it goes and who gets those uh, who gets those contracts. But um, let's keep it moving here. Uh, big ups to West uh, Westmore and thank everybody. Uh, big ups, to everybody out in Maryland. All right. So if he ain't at Green Street wheeling and dealing, smoking on the best weed in the world, ain't no telling where he might pop up next. Could be Detroit, where the hustlers call him white Gucci down in Florida in a Mar-a-Lago spray tan booth next to wannabe dictators. Or maybe West Hollywood, world capital of cannabis tourism, where the locals call him El Presidente. But today he's with us. And coming to the stage first, you know who it is. Jason Beck. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. I'm sorry, this story's a little long, but you know what? There's a whole bunch to unpack in here. Because an astounding 1,400 shops have popped up around New York City that are illegally selling cannabis products. Can you believe that? A situation that, that alarmed lawmakers decried as the wild, wild west during a city council hearing on Wednesday. That's right, guys. This is about to get good. Hold on. Buckle up. City Sheriff Anthony Miranda and representatives of the NYPD testified that existing laws make it difficult to immediately close illicit shops and often can issue only measly $250 fines for selling pot without a license. Uh, hardly a deterrent, even after seizing illegal weed and edibles. Miranda said illegal smoke shops are, in quotes, rampant throughout the city. Noting 1,400 stores are being targeted and inspected by authorities for suspected illegal activity. Just one legal weed shop is currently open in New York with a second expected to open next week. But guess what? There's a whole big story about that store, too, that's coming up next with Gretchen. So, oh, boy, here we go. But the legal and illicit sales combined with the use of pot products being legalized has left the city streets smelling decidedly skunky they say mayor eric adams last year created a cannabis task force to crack down on the illicit pot market uh corralling a hodgepodge of agencies with enforcement powers including the sheriff's office the nypd and the department of consumer affairs uh 
Existing laws make it difficult to immediately close illicit shops and often only means $250 fines can be issued for selling pot without a license, uh, says the New York Post. But more alarming than the proliferation itself are council member after another told horror stories regarding the ease with which teenaged high school students were able to access cannabis on the illicit market. Councilwoman Carolina Carolina Rivera, who represents the Lower East Side, said high school students were using credit cards to buy cannabis. In a quote, she says, we have a lot of work to do, she said Councilwoman uh, Gail Brewer, who chairs the Oversight and Investigations Committee. In a quote, there's a lot of marketing that's going to children. There's a lot of public health issues, danger to the community. We want to make sure they're in compliance. Miranda said during the hearing conducted jointly by the Council Committees on Oversight and Investigation and Consumer Affairs and Health. Over 1,000 stores are being targeted and inspected by authorities for suspected illegal activity, says the New York Post. The NYPD's 311 data system received 951 complaints about illicit cannabis shops, so people are still snitching, said uh, Chief Patrol John, John Chelly. And Chelly said the illegal pot shops with large amounts of cash on the premise have also been a bonanza for crooks. Robberies at smoke shops have more than doubled. A total of 1.5 million was stolen on average of 2,500 for 593 reported robberies, he said. Shell said nearly a third of the robberies of smoke shops were committed by teenagers between the ages of 15 and 19 years old. The NYPD's 311 data system received 951 complaints about illicit cannabis shops, according to da 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 da. Um, but none other than the state senator, Liz Kruger, Democrat from Manhattan, author of the law that legalized adult use of cannabis in the first place, called the number of illicit shops out there the wild, wild west. They're busy breaking up a whole series of laws. What what is it is it doing? Is it harming the entire model we've been trying so hard to build and yet? Established established throughout the state, Kruger said, testifying remotely at the council investigative hearing in from Albany. Kruger said that she's in negotiations with Governor Hochul's office to craft a new state law to beef up enforcement, making it easier for authorities to financially punish and close those illegal shops. The new legalization would stiffen fines and tax violations, make it easier to seize illegal pot and also penalize landlords for allowing illegal shops to operate on their property. Sheriff Miranda said notices are being sent to landlords and to tenants that have illegally been selling cannabis if you're running one of these illegal shops you're not going to get a license they said period because you know you're breaking the law and it's not okay said senator krueger governor hochel spokesperson hazel uh crampton hayes says we continue to work with our partners to enforce the law and to explore every possible mechanism available to protect new yorkers and shut down the illicit operators Customers buying cannabis at any legal dispensary open at Housing Works on Broadway in Greenwich Village uh, supported a crackdown on illegal shops. I think that's an important note for everybody. Senator Liz Kruger said she's in negotiations. Oh, yeah, we covered that. Da, 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 da. I don't know why it repeated itself. I'm sorry about that, guys. Um, but nonetheless, in another in another quote, they don't um, they don't check your IDs and there's no security like here, she said, of the state's. Uh, licensed housing dispensary it's very surprising honestly i feel like i'm not smoking weed when i go there she said she expects better quality weed at the licensed shops but added if these illegal prices um are not are not excuse me if these illegal places are not selling products that you're tripping on and end up in the hospital okay go for it so a lot of reefer madness around and this supporting trap shops but uh surrounding illicit shops selling weed unconcerned by the state licensed dispensaries nearby at lush smoke shop on mcdougall street a worker there said that people prefer their cannabis products because they're stronger and not mids like the housing works weed the store sells popular black market products like punch bars, edibles, and pre-rolls. And one customer said, I prefer their pre-rolls because the flavor tastes better and they get you higher. 
That's right, you guys. This shit is going down in New York. Oh, man. What do you guys have to say about this? How is New York ever going to clean up this mess? Because I'll tell you what, their same strategy, their sounds like they're trying to implement is the same strategy Los Angeles tried to implement, and nothing has worked. And I digress. And this is Jason Beck reporting for the High at Nine News Hour. Man, you just look at how you know la unfolded out here man and you see people who tried to do the right thing people try to get off the streets try to stop trapping and do the right thing and get your license like how that play out i don't i don't think like any of these guys are going to even like care about like oh you're not gonna get a license you're not gonna be qualified for no one cares about those licenses bitch i'm making 100 100 racks a day <laughs> yeah fuck, right man. they no one cared about that i'll take my 250 dollar fine every day all right? day Hundred percent. We do have the Duchess in Clubhouse to comment on this. Duchess, do you have something to speak on this? I do. Actually, I was at the city council hearing, and it was egregiously painful. It was a lot of misinformation. But let me just, you know, share this with um, the room. The most important thing: there is already a blueprint, right? Because New York had the K two, and we have a synthetic mm-hmm. cannabis market way before the MRTA you know, became legal. Mm -hmm. So it's not, the enforcement is there, number one. When you have city council people, members, you know, that haven't read the MRTA or the regulations, the whole discussion was misinformation. That's number two. And number three, we should have addressed the synthetic cannabis market way before we went legal. And and, and, And I think, the enforcement is it's not there because they don't have the capacity and they don't have the capability and they don't have the competence. So you see these illegal shops, these legal shops have been operating. So that's not even an issue. And we haven't learned from California. Um, and the regulators haven't even watched or learned what has happened in established jurisdiction to even implement to follow a blueprint that is effective. When you have a Senate city council person saying that, why don't we just bring in the feds to arrest everyone? That's very problematic. Mm-hmm. And so these stores, no- these legal stores are supporting it. Exactly. And there's no incentive really to really incentivize legacy to legal because as you see, these illegal smoke shops are operating. They don't have to, they don't consent to unlawful, unreasonable searches because they don't have a license. They can still operate even though even if they're fine and closed down. So that's the issue right there. But again, I need everyone from the city council to work with the OCM. The OCM has the regulations for enforcement and it really is not recriminalizing and, you know, arresting your way to compliance. So I just wanted to share that. Thank you so much for that. Duchess. We appreciate that very, very much. Oh my goodness. goodness. New York is New York York, is a big train wreck. Big train wreck, and I'm willing to state that all those bodegas are the real social equity applicants. What y'all going to say about that? Socialist. Uh, I agree with that. And yep. I also think starting a federal crackdown is just going to increase the price of freedom market cannabis across the country. So yep. if you really want to uh, provide price support to the unregulated uh, industry, that's the way to do it. Start a federal crackdown. You know, Make the price go up to 4800 a pound again. I'm all with that. I'm all with that, Omar. I support that move. Bring bring the prices back. Bring the, the money back to cannabis. cannabis. Yes. <laughs> bring the money back to cannabis. I'm all about that. Yeah. I, I think really the way to do it is to pass a private attorney general law that will unleash the plaintiff's lawyers on all the unpermitted uh, shops and take their money. It's really about money. You mm-hmm. know, uh, decades of prohibition were not able to stop illegal cannabis cultivation in California. But going after property owners for code enforcement violations where you don't have a right to counsel or a right to a jury trial has sure been far more effective. But they but they haven't even been able to do that in, in Los Angeles and they have those powers right. more. Um, but they, there's it's not a private. They, 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 they suppose they, they supposedly have the power to be able to go in and shut your power off and your water off to your building. Mm-hmm. And they're not doing it. There's not enough lawyers for the city of L.A., but there, I guarantee you there's plenty of lawyers in L.A. if you made it a private attorney general statute. 
Um, basically, lawyers get a so, so, so you're basically saying that the enforcement action needs to be a private public partnership. Ah, private. private public sounds like your dream, my friend. <laughs> sounds like there's big dollars in there, those big public private partnerships. You know what I mean? Yeah, big fan of those. That's right. It is National, it is national Fetish Day. Yes, well, we're gonna we're gonna keep this we're gonna keep this rolling because we have more New York news coming up next because she's a political strategist by day and a baker by night, a true female multitasker who can not only make the sausage on Capitol Hill, but knows how to bake up tons of storms, even including Christmas cookies in July. That's right. She's the founder of Panoptic Strategies and our very own Washington Insider. Taking off the apron and coming up next is none other than the Gretchen Gailey. Good afternoon. Uh, my headline is coming from Marijuana Moment. Uh, and it's New York's first recreational marijuana store owned by a person harmed by drug war will open next week, uh, the governor announced. The governor announced on Thursday that the state's second adult use marijuana retailer, which will also be the first to be owned by a person previously criminalized over cannabis, will open next week. The new dispensary, which like the first currently operating one, will also be located in Manhattan. It's scheduled to open for a soft launch on Tuesday. Smacked LLC will be owned and operated by Roland Connor, who met the state's eligibility criteria for a conditional adult use retail dispensary license as a justice-involved individual. Uh, Kathy Hochul said, this dispensary is the latest example of our efforts to build the most equitable and inclusive cannabis industry in the nation. As we continue to work towards righting wrongs of the past, I look forward to new dispensaries owned by those most impacted by our over-policing of cannabis prohibition opening soon. The state's first recreational marijuana retailer opened last month. It's being run by the nonprofit organization Housing Works, which focuses on addressing AIDS and homelessness issues. Smacked for its part will operate on a pop-up basis through February 20th. The intent of the soft launch is to give the business training opportunity and additional resources through the state's Social Equity Cannabis Investment Fund ahead of a formal opening. I'm so excited to become a part of history as the first individual to open a legal cannabis dispensary in New York City. Given my experience with cannabis, I never could have imagined that I would be opening a store like this. I'm grateful for the opportunity to open a business with my son and my wife at my side and build generational wealth working together right here in New York. But this is not just about me and my family. This is about everyone who was harmed by the draconian drug laws of the past. New York's commitment to righting those wrongs through the law is inspiring. I am proof that commitment because I'm standing here today. A total of 36 organizations have so far received conditional adult use retail dispensary licenses, which were approved by the Cannabis Control Board in November. The administration has frequently emphasized the importance to establishing a regulated market uh, that puts equity front and center. <laughs> Liz Kruger said, after years of work from advocates, it's very gratifying to see the adult retail cannabis market finally beginning to take shape and to do so with a focus on equity and repairing the damage of the failed war on drugs. New Yorkers now have access to a safe, sustainable, and growing cannabis market rooted in a commitment to social equity. I wish Mr. Connor luck in his business and look forward to seeing many more openings in the near future. Assembly Majority Leader Crystal, Spokes, Crystal People Spokes, who also played a key role in advancing the reform, said she's proud to see New York State continuing to follow through on that commitment with the opening of this conditional adult use retail dispensary owned by a social and economic equity licensee and supported by the New York Cannabis Social Equity Investment Fund. Dispensaries with ownership like this one exemplify our commitment to building a nation-leading model for establishing an equitable cannabis industry that works to offset the harms caused by the disproportionate enforcement of cannabis prohibition. Uh, and that's according to uh, CCB Chair Tremaine Wright. Uh, we couldn't have reached today without the steadfast support of Governor Hochul and the legislature, and I'm excited to see the industry coming to advance and grow in line with the goals of our state cannabis laws. Uh, I would say that this is, again, a, a despite Jason's previous story, uh, that this is a good move. I mean, it, it's nice to see that this is coming to fruition. They are putting their investment fund to work. I don't know how that is since 
the money. I don't. I thought the we money's gone. Was that money um, in there? Yeah. <laughs> can I finish my analysis, please? Um. Either way, uh, whatever. This is a good thing. I, I, in response to Jason's story, I do believe that you cannot. Well, I think some people should definitely be locked up. I do understand that you can't lock up all fourteen hundred. Uh, but uh, it is going to be a long, slow process. Uh, when alcohol was reestablished after prohibition, uh, the illicit market did not go away overnight, and it's not going to happen here either. Uh, but we need to see good folks like Mr. Connor who are helping to perpetuate a well-regulated market uh, moving forward and helping to get it done. This scratch and pride nine news. All these perpetual booth salesmen out there in New York opening these booth shops. Uh, you know, I, I do want to congratulate them uh, on the shop and everything, but well within their goals, their goal was. To... Yeah, their goal was 20. You get a surge. No, I thought the goal surge, was 150, Rico? wasn't it? Rico, are you there? Rico, Rico's having a, Rico got a short. You're on mute, Rico. Whatever you did. Yeah, whatever you did. I'm not sure what you did, but I hear no. you now. Not well. yeah, the goal was fucking 20 a month. The what? Yeah, 20 a month, right? 20 a month they were supposed to open. Yeah. I, yes. And I, as I recall, they were originally supposed to set aside the first 150 for uh, these types of licenses. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've got 39 moving forward. That's a start. That's better than a lot of other markets have seen. <laughs> I, I got to say, it's it's got to be the, the best anybody has done at, you know, taking a stab at social equity. Of course, it comes with the hiccups. Of course, it's not rolled out the way they, they said it was going to. But I, I think we've got to give them a pat on the back for, I mean, it's the best looking ones. It, it's, it's, it's helping someone. It's going directly to people that were affected by, you know, the war on drugs. So I how, do you, how do you know that? How do you know that? How do you know that? How do you know that, Stone? Hey, listen, I'm being uh, optimistic. You're being, you're being optimistic. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly. Rose-colored uh -huh. glasses over here today. Yep. I don't know. I mean... I keep hearing from consumers all the way out in New York that, man, they do not like these legal shops because the weed is just terrible and it's way cheaper on the streets and it's better. But, but was that, but, but was, were those people in the comments, were they actually from MSOs, Jason? Because <laughs> <laughs> it looked what, the like people buy, the people that buy weed in the streets or the people that, the people that like the new shops, those are all the people from the MSOs. Yes. It looked like people that were commenting, they were they were hating on the shops that opened. Like, oh yeah, I can buy a bunch more. And, and there were people that were actually commenting and praising the MSOs for for having better weed. That is not people from the fucking street. <laughs> They're making those. Oh comments. no, no, I'm talking about people that I actually know in New York. Okay, I mean, I'm not talking about stuff that people were posting anyplace. Okay. I thought you were talking about the comment that that, uh, that was uh, put up by Blacklist and uh, I think uh, Beer Bros. No, put that shit up too. Uh, no, online they're no. um, uh, screenshotting like all the hatred that um, Housing Works was getting about the quality of their weed and saying that you know C uh, Cresco Curly and all that matter. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Plants. I mean, I mean that's that, that's what happens when they're forced to sell weed that's grown by hemp producers. And on top of it, it's all outdoor weed, and it was never stored right or packaged right, and it's already a year and a half old. Is that is is, is that true? It's all outdoor. Yeah, it's all outdoor booth, and wow. it's a over a year and a half old because well, it's been sitting around that, no, it's forever. Not all outdoor. It is all outdoor. New York has no, no indoor not. grows. New York has no indoor grows. Show me an Crazy. indoor grow in New York. That's right, not that's me, that's legit. Give me five minutes. <laughs> that's legit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cut it out. Cut it out, Gretchen. You're dreaming right now. You're stretching right now. We're stretching with Gretchen, Gretchen right Gretchen. now. Oh, yeah. That's a big I stretch. Big. I don't believe you for one second, Jason. You don't have to believe me. I'm just spitting the truth. You know what I mean? It is what it is. You could be a denier, live in denial all you want. You know, they have a big river in Africa called denial. You can't hold back the truth, Gretchen. Yep. Working exactly. on it. I'm gonna hold exactly. it back. Don't you worry. Uh -huh. Let's go to commercial. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, let's go to commercial. We're gonna, we're gonna go. We're gonna have an indoor grow for you. You're gonna keep keep looking. You'll be looking all day and all night. Okay. 
flying into LAX and you want to taste some of the best weed in the world, then stop by LAXCC, the closest dispensary to LAX, located at 8332 Lincoln Boulevard and open from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. seven days a week. Always make LAXCC your first stop when you touch down in L.A. and score like a winner. And don't forget to tell them I sent you and mention like to get high at 9 for 10% off your full order. The thoughts, opinions, and shade thrown on High Nine News are those of the individual speakers and not those of any other speaker or its followers. The statements made do not constitute legal or accounting advice, and our speakers make no representation regarding the legal status of any substance in any country, area, territory, or any authorities. The views expressed in this room do not establish any fiduciary responsibility or relationships. Our sponsors do not imply or constitute any endorsement by us or the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of any speaker on stage. If you're an easily offended person, call Wes Moore. I ain't got time for y'all's feelings today. Jason Beck, yeah. before we go to our next person, I do have an indoor grill for you in New York. You found, you found we indoor grill? We should have made a bet. We should have uh, made a bet. should <laughs> have made a bet. What does that matter? You, You're never going to pay. Are you, send, are you sending me pictures or something? like? No, I, I would like to comment on that because I looked up the regulations in New York and applicants can use up to 20 artificial lights during the production of cannabis. This was a surprise to me, but I posted them in our yeah, that, we're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not saying whether or not they can use it. I'm saying all the people that were permitted to, to grow weed during uh, for the adult use market because none of the vertical operators um, that were the medical market are allowed to participate in this portion. And what I'm saying is that all those hemp people are all farmers. They're all outdoor farmers. They have no indoor grows. Jason, you love to come with some fine print when you've been proven wrong and you make bold. I wasn't proven wrong. That's like, what I said. There are no indoor grows in New York. There are none. I just sent you one, so suck it. Not, 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 none that are selling. None that are selling weed in the adult use market. None. Of, you can't go into the. You not can't true. go into their store and go buy some indoor oh. weed. It's all boof, boof out there. Oh, bucket and suck it, Jason. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's all right. You know, all right, all right, all right. This multi-talented and multi-faceted attorney is the founder of. Bi-Coastal Boutique Cannabis Law Firm with offices in California and New York. Also the NCIA director, a legal publisher, author, Ganjie, purple belt in high-style ju high ju Brazilian jiu-jitsu, reserving his right to legally break the wrist and walk away from anyone fucking up the rotation in his cipher. Come to the stage next. Y'all know who it is. Omar Figueroa. Thank you, Rico. Happy Friday, everyone. My story is from the Green Market Report by Deborah Borchardt. The headline is, smart sex toy that uses CBD capsules has patent application. A patented sex toy that uses a cannabis capsule? Welcome to 2023. Israeli cannabis company, BYND Canasoft Enterprises Inc. filed a full-scale patent cooperation treaty application on January 5th in Israel. The company already has a US provisional patent application filed in 2022, covering the monitoring and controlling aspects of its ECG device. The ECG is pretty high tech with Bluetooth and artificial intelligence capabilities. While it is mostly billed as a way to deliver CBD for women experiencing various ailments in their lady parts, it is also a smart sex toy. According to the company statement, the EZG device prototype uses sensors like a pressure sensor, temperature sensor, conductivity sensor, and heart rate sensor to determine what specifically enhances the user's pleasure. The ECG device uses artificial intelligence, AI, to transmit and receive data from the device's sensors on conditions of the user's sexual organs, such as moisture levels and pressure variations due to muscle contraction. Bluetooth can be accessed through an app on a smartphone or other portable device to collect information about preferences and generate custom programs. BYND says the data collected from the sensors is uploaded to a secure cloud where it, it is combined with other anonymous users' preferences 
including the actual duration of operation of the adult device, lubrication level, and the ideal vibration level. The ECG device is so smart that it can use the collected data and improve its operation to bring the users sexual satisfaction. The ECG device has evolved to provide treatment relief from sexual and mental problems, including the ability to have intercourse as it relates to anxiety and physical pain, said Ifta Ben Jacob, CEO and director of BYND Canisoft. The device is capable of enhancing sexual pleasure and reducing sexual pain by dispensing low concentrations of CBD oil lubricant in a controlled manner. It could be configured to use disposable capsules that include the CBD lubricant dispensed <coughs> in accordance with data collected by the sensors, he said. The sale of the disposable capsules containing the CBD lubricant would provide BYND Canisoft with a revenue model, much like the razor and the razor blade. Lest you think the device is only meant for the bedroom, think again. BYND suggests that the ECG could be a wearable sex toy. Apparently, there's an emerging trend in wearable sex toys for the thrill of clandestine public stimulation. And my take is I like the idea of incorporating biofeedback into sex toys, but there is something creepy about an AI trying to learn how to get you off. And there's something creepier about aggregating data generated by supposedly anonymous users for purposes of data analysis and machine learning. The headline is, Smart Sex Toy That Uses CBD Capsules Has Patent Application. This is Omar Figueroa, lawyer, publisher, and Gangier instructor, reporting from Sonoma County, the traditional territory of the Pomo, Miwok, and Wapo people, for high at nine, high noon Eastern. Oh, yeah, Omar. Well, the, the puns are rolling in. Yeah, <laughs> man, the chat has <laughs> been lit <laughs> with this story. Is wearing a sex toy uh, right now. Yeah. <laughs> Delta eight inches. Yes. Dr. Talleyrand's puzzled by this. I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> Buyer beware, buyer beware. You're on mute. You're on mute. I'm, am I on mute? No. Oh, go ahead. No, you're good, Dr. Tellyrand. You no, know, we hear you. I'm buyer sorry. beware is all happening. I'm not aware that CBD helps with arousal. So, and I'm just thinking this is just another way to sell a product rather than. Well, it can. See, have you tried it? Have you tried it? <laughs> I mean, I mean but, 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 doctor, but uh, CBD is uh, anti inflammatory. CBD can be. <laughs> it might be. It might be a good for that pregame. Hang <laughs> on. I mean, I just, I just want to know if it, it, like, what the form of the CBD, like, is it, is it in an isolate form? Is it in a, you know what I mean, in a jelly form? Like, what's, what's the form of the CBD? What does that release look like? Yes, exactly. <laughs> is it clear? Like, is it a milky white compound? Yeah. Is it isolate or is it disty? <laughs> exactly. It could be disty, bro. It could be like some hemp disty from Oklahoma. Crude. Yeah. <laughs> Crude. I have a question for the good doctor. Doctor, is it possible to measure like human pleasure directly? You know, does heart rate, electrical conductivity, does that tell you if somebody's experiencing pleasure or is there a better way to measure pleasure? Like electrodes to the brain or I don't know. You know, unless you have, yeah, exactly, electrodes, pleasure centers. I don't know how you can translate the logical signs. Those signs happen with conditions too. Increased heart rate, anxiety. So maybe they have an algorithm that pleasure, but not, not that I'm aware of. They got an algorithm that induces pleasure. A slow drip. A slow drip. I don't think so. <laughs> we have, we, we have Max. We, we have Max joining us from Clubhouse. Max, do you have a comment on this all the way from Australia? Are you with us, Max? Go on. Coming, coming from You got to unmute. You got to mute, Max. Oh, well. We're going to put him back in the audience. Let's keep him moving. Throw him back down under. Right. Before we leave, I'm probably going to read. Go ahead, Omar. I, I, I wanted to remind everybody that Woody Allen uh, wrote a book called, or made a movie called Sleeper, and it has like a sex robot scene back in 1973. You know, um, um, this thing is coming out now. Um, 
I think it was uh, the Women of Weed event for High Times right before the pandemic to uh, 2019. Um, who was it? Uh, Jamie Pearson, when she was at Bang, she actually had an announcement that they were supposed to be releasing a similar uh, device. You remember that, Omar? Yeah, yep, they were releasing I think I a similar device back, back in 2019. I don't know if it got derailed <laughs> because of 20, um, the, the pandemic and everything, but um, it's very, very similar to what they're describing here. I'm confused. I'm sorry. I just, I don't get it. There's only one it's way just, to find out, Gretchen. Yeah. <laughs> Got to get a stretch, stretch with Gretch. <laughs> I'm serious. No, from someone who might actually understand. Is this inserted into a woman's vagina? Is that the plan? Yep. Is that what this is? Like only is that the plan? <laughs> yep. This and then it releases CBD. That's what this thing is supposed it's, to it do. It squirts. It squirts inside. Yeah. <laughs> All right, simmer down, simmer down. I don't, I don't understand how it's wearable. To me, that's not wearable. I mean, that's you're inserting something, and frankly, so it's insertable. It says it can also be used in the bedroom, so it's like. So, 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 would you call it an insertable squirtable? I'm very confused on how this thing actually operates. I mean, Gretchen, you should go to San Francisco and walk the Folsom Street Festival, and you'll see how people can wear their sex toys. Oh okay. <laughs> hey, oh. Just saying. <laughs> hey. I don't know. I, we'll see. I, don't, I, I think there. I. It says in the story, you know, that this is for medical uh, reasons and can also be used as a sex toy. I don't. I could see it perhaps for other functions, but um, is it actually inserted, or is it one of those things that's more like you know on the. The surface of the, you know, the. That's what I'm trying to understand. Yeah, it looks like it's something that. It's just to concerning. rub around the edges. You're saying? Yeah, I, th I think I think Guap uh, uh, took the comment right right out of my mouth. I'm like, yo, if you if you give it a donation, will it vibrate? <laughs> <laughs> no, but actually, you can sync it to your Bluetooth, and it'll it'll vibrate to the beat of whatever your favorite iTunes Ooh. song is. Yeah, Shut like, up. Like, no, it some <laughs> It has AI. I think it may possibly do that. Yeah, may may have the feature. I don't know if it has Where a speaker. Where is Doctor Felicia when I need her? It, 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 it may have a speaker, <laughs> yeah. but we know we know that it shakes. We just don't know if it has a speaker or not. Don't trust don't trust TikTok to sync this thing up to it. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have to look at this pat now. Oh man, we're gonna we're gonna keep it moving. This was this was awesome. Thank you for covering covering yes, that story, right, Omar. We really really appreciate it. That was that was a good laugh. Coming up next, why why did that happen? What what are you doing? I pray about it. Just pray. Oh, man. That is so weird. Technical difficulties. I apologize. This doctor has been around so long that he probably wrote your parents' medical cannabis recommendation. This doctor has had more patients than liberals waiting in line at a President Biden book signing. He's the founder of Medican and the co-founder of the CESC, the nonprofit cannabis research organization. That's right. It is none other than the Dr. Gene Talleyrand. Thanks, Jason. Okay, so my topics may be a little bit more serious than the last one. My story today is from Harvard Health, a publishing of Harvard Medical School by Peter Grinspoon. Okay, who often, we often wonder about doctors, what doctors think about cannabis. Truth is, most of them don't know anything about it. But when a doctor like Peter Grinspoon writes about cannabis, we should listen closely. Peter Grinspoon is the son of the famous Dr. Lester Grinspoon. Dr. Lester, a Harvard psychiatrist, studied cannabis in the 1960s. He was one of the first doctors of the 60s counterculture to conclude that we were misled and misinformed about cannabis. Dr. Lester testified at the John Lennon deportation hearings in 1975 and wrote a book called Marijuana Reconsidered. His son, Dr. Peter Grinspoon is an inter-Massachusetts General Hospital, a place that some of us in the medical industry call the House of God. Dr. Peter not only has a famous father who supported cannabis, he has a brother with a chronic illness who uses cannabis, uh, and Dr. Peter himself used cannabis to recover from an opiate addiction. So you can't have experience. This, this article is titled, If You cannabis, do it safely. Dr. P promotes the idea that whether you're using it as medicine or recreationally, cannabis is here to stay. 
He writes to an audience that likely has never used cannabis. Perhaps he's speaking to something or someone who is elderly. These are the two demographics most likely to start using cannabis. So this is for the novice user. His first piece of advice is buy it legally. He cites concerns for safety, pesticides, metals, and other contaminants. Buying it legally normalizes the process. He does acknowledge that the legal market has problems, particularly the bud tenders. He writes, don't rely on well-intentioned bud tenders for medical advice. He's also concerned about potency. Although some labels are accurate, THC content has It's not the cannabis of the 1970s. Dosage matters. He means women who are pregnant and people with psychotic disorders should not use cannabis for multiple stated reasons. He also writes, don't smoke cannabis. Use tincture, edible, topicals, or vaporize the flower. He's not, not a fan of vape pens or cards. If you do smoke, don't hold it in your lungs for more than a second or two. Holding it in your lungs longer doesn't give you more effect. It just, just irritates your lungs. This contradicts the comment uh, saying, if you don't cough it off. Other recommendations are four hours after smoking or 12 hours after an edible. Don't use cannabis 24 hours before a job where safety is a Talk to your doctor about your cannabis use and use cannabis if you're on call taking care of a sick relative children. So what do you guys think? Uh, does Dr. Spoon have good advice? This is Dr. Jean Talleyrand reporting High Nine News. Sounds like a bunch of rules to me. Yeah, a bunch of rules. <laughs> yeah. You know, can, cannabis people aren't always the best at following rules. And, and if he's, like well, you said, Dr. T, if, if he's talking to the college students, they're going to do the exact opposite of this shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they are. Uh, we do have uh, Nicole. A lot of what he says doesn't have evidence backing it up. So I was wondering if this was exactly. a political move. But I, I think this is a political move. I think so. He is he is a big fan of cannabis, but some some of um I think some of the things that I've seen uh, him tweet and whatnot have been uh, more pro uh, medical pharmaceutical side as opposed to straight just uh, allowing people to consume cannabis freely type of side. But we do have Nicole Buffon with us in the clubhouse audience. Do you have a comment on this, Nicole? Yeah, good morning, fam. Um, so my question is, uh, the evidence that, that supports whether or not you should smoke four hours after driving, like, is it, does he have, is there some research that backs up why exactly individuals should do that? Nope. Uh, not that I've seen. I, okay. I have not seen with that for sure. Otherwise, the NTSB would be all over that. This is yeah, because there's I'm no test. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, I, I think this is this. Is a, that's why. I, that's why I think this is a propaganda piece by him. Um, four four hours. That's remember he's talking to new users, people who may be inexperienced. You know, who he's just trying to say, okay, to use cannabis, but think about your safety. That's really his major. I mean, I, I, I think that. So I what, think that's what determines if you're a what determines if you're a new user? Is it somebody who's used cannabis once, twice, six times, twelve times? A new, I, I would say, you still be considered a new user. I, I would say, yeah, anyone that's that's unfamiliar with what they what they would anticipate a reaction to be. I think I think that Honestly, could be that could go all the way to your twentieth time. You know what I mean? Depends on you know how you're trying it and what you're trying. I, I think the industry needs to under to cater to new users more. Uh, I think that there's a assumption that people know about cannabis and how to use it. And so I, you know, for that, I applaud Dr. Greenfield for starting to reach out to, to non-users to say, hey, hey, if you want to use it, it could use it safely. It could help you. But uh, uh, some of those comments definitely were uh, not evidence-based. Yeah. Very, very true. I, yeah, I do, I do think it's good for um, for, for, for newbies to, to get this the, the, this type of advice. We don't want uh, people running around like hippies tripping on acid and whatnot through the fields and everything. So we do want to be conscious of that. Right, Omar? Thank you for this story, Dr. John. 
Yeah, yeah. I see it as maybe like an olive branch to the people who are easing into the uh, the 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 new surroundings of everybody smoking weed. You know, exactly. I we guess. have Azerite coming up. Azerite, do you have something to say on this? Hi, y'all. It's Azerite. Yes. Um, I really wanted to say because I'm looking at the um the Harvard Edu at the top. I just wanted to say I'm in school now. I'm in college. I'm a communications major and it's really challenging and it's like it's really hard for us as students to be able to speak about this um and even if we do our intellectual properties are not protected because it's like public information when we speak about things in school and it's like almost as if like you have these articles right but the professors most of the information they're getting they're getting it from the students but we're not allowed to be able to, in a sense, speak on it. But then you also have some of them that are weaponizing it. So it's like they're masquerading as if they're trying to support the movement of cannabis. They know how useful it is because many of them use it themselves. But it's almost as if they don't want the students to be able to speak on it in a way that would allow it to be completely liberated. Because I don't feel like those that are in power in higher education right now, their actual goal, like those like them provosts and stuff like that, is for the liberation of cannabis. Because if it was, they would have already done it. They have the resources. They have the research. They have the money. There's so much money funneling. It's more money funneling for research with cannabis to, that will come through the higher education system than any other institutions in the entire country. Awesome. They have so much funding. Thank you. Thank, thank you for that, Azariah. We appreciate your comments on this. And and, 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 and if, if we get uh, Jaja or somebody over there in Clubhouse, please send her our email uh, address because we would we, we do need more um, uh, representation from college students on here. Thank mm -hmm. you for joining. Thank you for joining us in your comments because we love to hear your perspective uh, too. So coming up next, a fellow dope dad and from the great purple Lone Star State of Texas, known for hitting the high road to avoid paying the Delta 8 troll toll collected underneath the bridge. After seeing an industry full of negativity littered with folks on both sides of the aisle aiming low, he co-created the show by the same damn name, Hitting the High Road. So make sure y'all check out that thing when you get a chance. But Stone Slade, what you got for us today, brother? Thank you, Rico. Always, always good to get the the interview, my man. Um, today, my story is from Benzinga. Uh, you know, cover something we've all we've all debated on the show about using cannabis on the job several times. We've had different different opinions, but one thing that we all seem to agree on is the ability to consume cannabis when you're not on the clock. This article asks: Can 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 commercial drivers be medical cannabis patients? The easy answer here is yes, but that decision could also cost them their jobs. At least as long as cannabis is still federally Ill, wrongfully federally illegal. Last week, the Iowa Courts of Appeals upheld the trucker's drug conviction for cannabis possession, even though the driver, Daryl Hunt, is a medical cannabis patient who legally obtained his medicine in his home state of Missouri. Hurt was stopped by police September of 21 with an overweight violation. When officers discovered cannabis in the cab of his truck, Hurt proceeded to show them his medical cannabis, his Missouri medical cannabis card, saying he only possessed as much cannabis as he was medically prescribed. Hurt fought the charges, claiming that medical prescriptions uh, require him to bring his medication with him due to the circumstances of his profession and him not being home every night. He also argued that not being home uh, or not being allowed to bring his medical cannabis into other states violates his right to freely travel. Hurt's lawyer argued that he should not have to choose between his occupation and his medicine, and I totally agree with him. Unfortunately for Hurt and other truck drivers in similar positions, the law in Iowa is clear. Medical cannabis is legal, but only in certain forms. And in this state, smoking is not one of them. The, law, the judges ruled that Hurt didn't own any of the permissible forms of medical cannabis and the state law uh, that the state law allowed on uh, controlled substances, and it didn't directly defect, uh, affect the driver's right to enter or leave Iowa. With that said, it also turns out it wouldn't have mattered if Hurt did possess one of the four uh, forms of cannabis because under the existing, existing rules, wow, Federal uh, Motor Carrier Safety Administration, a person is not physically qualified to drive a commercial motor vehicle if he or she uses a Schedule One controlled substance. And as we all know, cannabis is still considered a Schedule One drug. Lisa McCannon, a supervisor of OOAI, 
DA's Drug and Alcohol Consortium said, if you hold a CDL and you're driving a dot truck anywhere in the United States, it's not acceptable to partake in marijuana, regardless of what your state has in place. Those that do not follow these rules and test positive for cannabis could lose their jobs. All these uh, positive tests are reported to the FMCSA's Drug and Alcohol Clearinghouse, making them available for government agencies and employers uh, to review for a subsequent three years. Drivers with reported violations are marked in the system as prohibited drivers, and this classification provokes further consequences, such as requiring drivers to enroll in DOT's Substance Abuse, uh, abuse Professionals Program, which could also end up costing them $6,000 in a six-month driving ban. But hey, you're totally free to uh, abuse alcohol and opioids because, well, this in this ass-backwards prohibition of cannabis, they're legal, they're legal, but safe plant medicine is a Schedule One drug. Please stop the madness, as we all say, deschedule or bust. I'm Stone Slater for the Hyatt 9 News Hour. I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about this. Mm. I mean, I just want to say support truckers, man. It's rough out there for them. Yeah. They have a real tough job. Everyone in the country depends on them, and yet they are being uh, segmented because due to transportation laws because of DOT, and that is just not right. Yeah, they're they're forced they're forced to work longer hours than they should be, and mm -hmm. um, there's not enough people getting CDLs, man. Not so. to mention, I'm I'm a big believer that cannabis uh, slows down road rage too. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah hours to get together. Like, um, for years, departments of motor vehicles have tried to prove that cannabis impairs driving, so that they could just have a uh, per se. Uh, DUI like they have with alcohol, whether yep. or not your boast, it's 0.08 or higher, it's a crime. But they haven't been able to do that with cannabis. Um, and actually, it turns out that cannabis users tend to be more cautious, not mm -hmm. more reckless as That's alcohol right. users tend to be. That is what all the studies have shown, Omar. It shows that uh, cannabis, cannabis drivers, as opposed to alcohol drivers, um, alcohol drivers would normally run through a stop sign. A cannabis driver will tend to stay there an extra few seconds at a stop sign. Uh, can't, you know, alcohol makes you go fast. Cannabis takes, tends to make you go a little bit slower in most cases. So driver safety, number one. Keep it safe out there. Just, You're just not an driver. expert? You're just a driver. It's common sense. Get in, it's getting that slow lane, man. Get in the slow lane. Put the put yeah. the adaptive cruise control on. And <laughs> if common sense was so common, though, stone dot 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 dot. You know. Yep. Oh man, it is time, man. yo. Is time. I feel bad for these guys, bro. I feel really bad for these truckers that have to have to uh, have to have to deal with this. I mean, that's no, not right. I mean, no. if you can't if you can't like post up at a truck stop and burn one, I mean, that's just, you know, and then you have to worry about people that are there that are like going to snitch on you and call and then report your DOT number that you were smoking. So it's just it's just not right. It's just not right for these guys. We got to support our truckers. They, they do a lot of work for us. Every time you go to the store and pick up a product, that's why you were able to get that product. And you know what? But, you know who's trying to take their jobs? Elon Musk. Elon Musk. I thought it was um, what's his name? Jeff Bezos. Automated trucks, man. Automated trucks. Oh God! Automated trucks. Here we go. Oh man! Thank you all so much for getting high at nine with us every Monday through. Oh wait, hold on a second. We have a commercial. Run that. Run that, Adam. When you want to grow some of the best weed in the world, then you must start with the best genetics in the so world. Go to www.dnagenetics.shop to order regular feminized or autoflower beans. All of your favorite DNA genetics cultivars such as Kosher Kush, Skywalker Kush, and oh yeah, Chocolate Truffle Shuffle. Boasting more cannabis awards for their award-winning genetics than any other company in the world. Remember to go to www.dnagenetics.s H-O-P to see why our Terps don't lie. Oh, yeah. Thank you all for getting high at nine with us every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big thank yous to all of our audience and supporters for tuning in daily and listening to the insanity that is the developing cannabis industry overall. Thank you for all of our haters for thinking about us, talking about us, because we have the most insane pieces of property rent free in your heads yes you're more than welcome to come over anytime and we'll have a little tea party 
That's right. Huge thank you to True Classic, LAXCC, DNA Genetics, Wizard Trees, Burning Rope. We got a whole bunch of them. Thank you guys all so much. And thank you to our correspondents for being truly amazing. We thank you all so much for putting in the time and finding these great stories to help educate us all. Thank you to Cannabis for giving them a reason us to do this. And thank you, Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, and Zaza Simone Brown holding us down in Clubhouse. And thank you all for helping us create this space in the cannabis universe. Thank you all for tuning in and getting high at nine with us. It's America's number one daily cannabis news show. And by the way, this day today in 1961 was the day JFK was sworn in as president. How long weekend? How long until he was killed by the CIA? Have a great weekend, everybody.